I mean, one exciting thing that we've uh, we've just announced is our assay results for the, for nine of the eighteen holes. That's half of them uh, came out. People can review them as they wish. Uh, some great grades there. The best hole was hole number five, seven and a half percent over one point nine meters. And there's a cross section provided in the press release, which I think people can look at. They can look at the three historic holes. The fourth hole is that uh, that hole number five uh, at depth, around two hundred meters. Uh, you can just you can visually line it up. You can see that we're adding pounds. So we're saying what we're you know we're doing what we say we're going to do, which is grow the resource. Obviously, that's the best hole. Uh, some of the holes weren't uh, weren't quite as good, but still adding resource. So uh, again, our, our plan's intact for next year, uh, drilling again and um, update the resource at the end of next year. And that really delves into why you know why we we as a company and the board decided that we should raise a little bit of money, uh, raising five uh, between five and six million. Uh, it really de-risks next year's plan. And so, uh, you know, we've got a plethora of targets. We could we could be drilling at Angle Act for, for an easy five years without any new exploration. Uh, it's just a question of uh, money and how fast. So at least with the, the five, uh, five or six that's going to come in, we will have a budget for next year. We'll, we'll be drilling and we'll be updating the resource at the end of next year. People will be able to see and touch how, uh, you know, if they want to model it themselves, they consider themselves a good geo, let them, let them go at it. All the information's there, including the azimuths. Uh, and if not, uh, they can wait till the end of next year, roughly around this time next year, and we'll be updating the resource so people can see that uh, that growth from the forty-three million pounds. Okay, so so Kevin, see, I saw the headlines. Obviously, you know, um, you know, seven point a seven point five four percent over one point six meters. So there's some, there's some dazzling high head headlines. You know, some some of the holes hit, some um, not not as um, as well. But I, I'm I'm trying to. Can you break it down and you say that's why we tried that's why we're raising the first six odd million um dollars it's gonna do what is it just purely for increasing the size of the resource and do you think that's going to be an, an, enough of a message uh for the market to be able to go and you know like either sell this thing or c- continue to raise money to and draw this thing out i mean i I'm not quite sure what's working in the market at the moment for people um you know, as opposed to just sitting back and doing nothing. I mean, so how, how, what was the thinking? Yeah, I think I think there's an increasing realization in the market that, you know, yes, the price is going up, and is the is the is it my view? It's a five to ten year bull market in uranium. What the price is going to when I, I I don't know. I'm not sure anyone knows, but it's going up. But I think investors' attention is turning to rightly so. Okay, that's great. The price is increasing. Um, you know. You said before, uh, well, you needed fifty dollars. You need sixty. Well, that's seventy. You said you needed seventy-five. So, what does it look like? Um, how are you going to capture that? And if production is, if there's no, although it might be five years away, if there's no tangible path to production, you know the 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 future cash flows which you have to show at some point getting discounted back. If they're too far away, they just go into never never land, and people just can't. Uh, people aren't. A, they're probably not going to be believe you, and they probably you know you're, you're not going to get value for them today's market. So. You know, by by drilling this year and by drilling next year, we increase the size of the resource. It's it keeps our options open. If somebody wanted to come in, you know, I think Angleac is is well positioned in the sense that if you you know one of the things we talk about at the board level, if if we do as you say, we drill next year and we increase the size of the resource and we can, and we demonstrate that to people, we've done what we said we've done, and the market still yawns or doesn't care. Well, uh, one option, you know, in our little quiver, uh, we don't have many, but we have a few arrows back there is uh, to produce a PEA. We could do that. It'll show an NPV of whatever. You can take a discount on whatever, but it's going to show something quite more than what we're, we're trading at, that's for sure. And we can actually demonstrate to people 
a path to production. Uh, you know, we have 43 million pounds today. If we stopped everything and you forgot about all our drilling today, you know, an easy, an easy scenario is something like this. Uh, it's all an inferred today. Give it a, give it a serious haircut down to 20 million pounds. Cut it in half. Cut it a little bit more than a half. Put it to reserves. Fine. What do you have there? You have about a million and a half to two million pounds a year. Is it gonna is it gonna scare chemical out of its boots? No. Is it gonna upset the world uranium market? No. But at, at say two million pounds, think of it at fifty dollars. It's a hundred million dollar business. Again, is it, is it gonna is it gonna shake the world? You know the uranium world? No. But is it gonna be a profitable little business with a high grade mine? Absolutely. We could do that today. You know permitting and money notwithstanding. But that uh, we could have a plan for that today. And again, if we grow it even larger, that plan just becomes you know you just increase the size of what you're talking about. So. Um, it keeps the options open. It, it, it does. I mean, I'll, see, the, the bit that interests me is like you've got so many new entrants coming into the space because uranium's hot. It's it's the thing which is kind of bucking the bucking the market trend um, with this sort of creative growth in the what's it's not even a creative growth in the uranium price. It's up to seventy four bucks again, and um, compared to you know twenty five bucks two years ago, that, that that's that's meaningful. But how do companies like yours play this? I've talked to enough CEOs, ask them the question about. What's the difference between your company uh, at fifty-four bucks versus sixty-four bucks versus seventy-four bucks? They don't know. They don't know how to take advantage of that. So, how do they take advantage of that? Given they're not going to hit this, these are explorers, right? I should say, given they're not going to hit this cycle in terms of production. So, how do they frame it? How do they position themselves? What's the narrative? I, well, I guess you know, in terms of our spot, we haven't, we haven't pinned ourselves in. So, if you take two ends of the spec of the development spectrum, if you have a PA or better. You have some numbers out there and the numbers are the numbers. And, you know, a lot of people have been saying with, with projects like that, oh, when the uranium price gets better, we need a price of X or Y. And, and when that happens, then we can start moving this into, into development. Well, you know, I don't want to talk about it with other companies, but generally speaking, all these companies are realizing and investors, I think, are realizing, uh, regardless of what the companies are saying out of their mouths, is that you actually need a little higher price or maybe even materially higher price. So, the, the you know, the the developability of these PA or better projects is now starting to be discussed. And if you're at sort of the other end of the development spectrum, if you don't have a resource just yet, uh, maybe you don't have quite moose pasture, but people are like, well, how far away are we here? And are we, you know, again, I think investors are, I think are, are taking a little bit out of the, a page out of the gold book because the gold has been around for a little bit longer uh, in terms of an industry, in terms of, you know, participants and, and people being able to do things. And if you take a, a little bit of a step back from just the uranium market, you say, you know, if you wanted to develop your own mining company and you want to develop on a sustainable, recurring basis, hiring people, not just a stock, you know, stock promote, you know, what does this company look like? Well, what it would look like is you'd have an asset in develop or in production, so you have cash flow. You'd have uh, this suite of assets coming down the pipeline. You'd have something at the at the defendant fees or pre-fees stage that's sort of to be ready to build, which is your next project. You'd have something maybe in the late resource or PA stage, which is two to three years away, depending on permitting and that. And maybe you'd have some pre-resource stuff uh, coming before that. That way, when you have a pipeline, you always have something, you always have growth because, you know, when I worked at Semaphore, we were a gold company. We were, we were in West Africa producing 400,000 ounces. Every single year, you produce 400,000 ounces. That's great. You have cash flow, but every single year, you have to replace those ounces. That's just to get back to, you know, net you know, ground zero. If you want to grow, you have to replace that plus that. And so think of someone producing 5 million pounds of uranium a year. Great, you're in production. Well, you have to produce at least that and if not more to grow. And that in an industry, in a profitable basis over time is quite difficult. 
And so I think I think investors are starting to sort of realize that that value dynamic. And you know, so I you know what I what I believe is Angleac is is properly positioned because again we haven't pinned ourselves in in terms of producing a PA because the problem is that if you produce a PA and it's really a sales document, well that's great if you can raise money off it, but most times you can't to be quite honest. And if you produce a realistic one, people are people are sort of humming and hawing at it. The companies like it because they it's a it's a realistic view of what the, what the future holds, and so you're sort of as an independent single asset company, you're sort of betwixt in between about what you do about this. And that's one of my reticent points about actually making a PA is on the one hand, you want to make it realistic to, to add credibility. But on the second time, you're, you're sort of proceeding yourself down a path. And once you start down that path, it's incredibly difficult to reverse course because you're setting expectations in the market and you either have to fulfill them or, or fall on the sword because someone else coming in looks at it and goes, well, You've, you've, you know, we can't buy it at this price because you've created all these realistic expectations. It's not up to us to reset the market. It's up to you, unfortunately. So um, I think, you know, whenever you pre- proceed down one of those paths, you need to do so thoughtfully. And we're just, you know, that's why we're still a year or at least a year away from figuring out what to do about all this. But, you know, in terms of a project, Engelac is, is, is very nicely positioned right in the middle. It has an existing resource. We could have a PA tomorrow. Anyone could do a PA in the project uh, if you wanted to. You don't need to be a uranium analyst. You could be just a general mining analyst. It's a sub-vertical, structurally controlled, two-meter wide, uh, zero to 300 meter vein deposit in hard rock. Lots lots of analogies around there in terms of OPEX and CAPEX. So you can be every way at it. And we haven't produced a PA yet, so people still don't know it. And we haven't set any unrealistic expectations about what, um, about what the future holds, so... That will all come to uh, roost for us next year. Again, if if we do what we say we're going to do and we drill and we grow the resource and the market rewards us, fine. That's great. If they don't, well, we still have a few errors in the quiver. Uh, economic development. Uh, again, you know, I think behind the scenes, the uranium industry is finally really, or the, the investors' sentiment is finally coming to roost at, a, at the corporate level. And so a lot of companies are talking about how they, how they, you know, they, they arrange themselves. Even the producers are like, you know, the the, the, the chemicals of the world. That's great. You can have the best projects in the world, but these, by definition, mining is an extractive industry, and there's always a wall. You can debate when the wall is. It could be a year away. It could be twenty years away. But the wall, you always have to be conscious about where the wall is, and bring these suite of projects into your in your pipeline to uh, to manage that wall. That's why investors like twenty year mine lives because the wall is farther out. And that's why Angleac, I think, is going to appeal either to the public markets or to a corporate because that it can be easily slotted in, and it's got a maybe a, a, a three to six year time frame to production, depending on how 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 quickly you want to focus on it. Um, you know, if we're if we're independent, we'll have to go a little slower because of we just don't have the money monetary uh, firepower up front. And if you're a corporate and you want to do it, you could probably do it in three years, but you have to sort of get at it, crack at it, and put a budget behind it to get the permitting done and get the drilling done and all that stuff. So, but it's, it's, think of the projects that are realistically out there in the world in uranium that are developable in the next three to five years. That list is not a long list in, in, in decent jurisdictions, in decent jurisdictions. Yeah. It, look, it, it, it's not, it's not a long list. And, and even some of the ones that, that are all on lists, you've, you've got to perhaps question the, 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 the real and, and true economics of, but that's quite, that's a subject for another day. Um, I, I think. I think what's interesting to me is the way that you kind of you the, the parallels between you know um, the gold market 
and the uranium market in terms of how you set yourself up in terms of you know backfilling all of that um, resource and, 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 and reserves. Um, I understand that. But for companies like yourself, your strategy, just to be really, really clear, is simple. We're going to build this resource out, all categories. There's you saying there's no point of focusing in on M&I. Uh, it, it's, it's like all categories because it's easy to do the maths uh, at a later date if you're a corporate or it's easy to do the math if there's some M&A, suggested M&A activity, rather than you go through the cost and time effort of doing an economic study at this point. Is that what you're suggesting? That's what, that's exactly that's exactly the plan today. I mean, we're, we already have world-class grade at 0.69. Uh, our investor base has said, listen, you've got world-class grade. Let's make it world-class size, which in their minds, roughly speaking, is around 100 million pounds. It's not right or wrong, uh, but it's a number. Uh, because if you did the math at, at, uh, at 100 million pounds, assume some conversion, you've still got a north of 5 million ounce, ounce pound uh, deposit uh, with good grade. And that ranks, go, go to the WNA website, that ranks in the top, if not the top five, the top 10 deposits worldwide. And I'm not suggesting we're getting there tomorrow, but we're, we're not far away. We're at 43 million pounds in a deposit that's been around for 50 years uh, in an area that's got you know, uranium all over the place. It's it's just north of the Athabasca Basin. It's you know it, it it's got all the it's got all the checklists. If you're a corporate, and you're looking to get something into production in a reasonable fashion, um, in a reasonable size, uh, you can actually have a pathway with with real timelines and real real steps on them. You know, you need money to you need money to execute it, but um, there's not many projects like that out there that you can actually do that with. No, no, you've got the, you definitely got the scale. You have the scale when you, when you took it on board and obviously now, you know, raising the money to actually go and then um, build, build that out and see where you get to in terms of this hundred, um, you know, this hundred million uh, pound target. Um, it's, it, it's, it's tough out there. I think it's a bit easier for uranium um, companies out there. Do you expect the market to give you what you want? Do you think you're going to get the price that is fair and reasonable, um, or it is. Yeah, <laughs> what's your expectation around this when when you're on base streets? Where are you going? Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because really, before the past, before the past, really, when uranium was sub fifty dollars, this discussion wasn't happening. But now the discussion is. I think people are starting to appreciate. There's sort of a what I call a North American mentality, and there's an Aussie mentality. The North American mentality in uranium and other and other spaces is grow the resource to its maximum size, and then we'll figure out what the development scenario looks like. Whereas on the complete opposite side of things, the Aussie mentality is more, forget about growth, get this thing into production ASAP, and we'll worry about the growth later. Uh, you know, they're very diametrically opposed philosophies. And, you know, to answer the question is, I think a year ago, at least we were, um, and our investor base was in the North American mentality, um, and I think with the shifting tides, we're somewhere, are we in the middle somewhere? I don't know, but the tide is shifting and it could shift over to the Aussie mentality and we have to shift our strategy to, to, to align with it. And if that happens, that's great. So we, we're monitoring it, but it's, the problem is I'll compare it to gold again. In gold, you have 15 to 20 major investors around the world. And they, you can you can proxy a view and get a view fairly quickly. And if you need to check that view, you can go check. In uranium, you just don't have you don't have that breadth of publicly available information sources. So you have to sort of do it a little bit manually, a little bit sort of uh, reading the tea leaves a little bit, so that it's not a it's not a perfect um, 
you know, you just don't go to a website and sort of click a few buttons and get your answer. You have to do it a little bit manually, but I'm, I am sensing the shift away from the North American mentality a little bit. I don't think we're quite to the Aussie side of things, but we're not quite sure we're exactly in the middle, but we're, we're getting towards the middle. So we monitor that and because it, 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 you know, our strategy has to evolve as the market evolves because we can't just stick our head in the sands and hope for the best. We have to, we have to react to what's going on. I agree with you. I, the, the conversations I'm having with gold companies, I, I, North American gold companies, uh, exploration companies certainly, is we can't keep repeating the same stuff that we've been doing. You know, it's a definition of insanity, right? You know, expecting a different outcome. Right now, the, the mood, I think, for gold has changed to that. Let's work out how we can get into production earlier. Let's work out how we do it on a smaller scale rather than a larger scale. Get, get it flowing, non-dilutive capital, which our shareholders will hopefully value us for, um, and maybe it makes itself attractive to um, you know potential bars um, as well. So there's lots of you're, you're right. It's it's, it's a cha- changing mentality out there, but it's it's out of necessity uh, rather than habit um, at, at the moment. It, it, it seems. And um, so so just just on the the, the money raise. Um, when do you expect to have that closed? And you know when do you set, uh, expect to start actually allocating that capital? Yep, should be yeah before the end of this month. It'll be all closed up. So we'll, yeah. going into year end, we'll know what we'll have. Uh, we can set our budgets appropriately. And don't forget, uh, the drill season won't start until sort of late May, early June uh, because of the weather. So we've got time to uh, we've got time to sort of go back and think about what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, we've got, uh, we've, we've got time, not, not infinite time, but we've got uh, sufficient time to do it, do it in a thoughtful fashion. Right. And, and also we've talked about risk in the past. Um, you also, you've got, you know, twin assets, you've got the project, uh, CM, uh, CMB over at Labrador. Um, it's, how are you feeling about that in terms of optionality? If you're able to raise money easily here, I guess you're under no pressure to offload assets. If it's slightly more difficult, you know, what are your considerations? What are your options available to you? Yep. On the CMB, uh, the, the, the interesting thing will be the, the two pieces of news coming out to, to the year end are one, we're going to have some geophysics on what uh, the property called Mustang Lake, which is on trend from uh, Paladin's Michelin deposit. And uh, we'll see what that demonstrates in terms of potential drill targets. Uh, could be interesting, could be interesting. And then we're doing the, the property-wide gravity survey over the entire 125 kilometers. Uh, look again, looking for uranium occurrences that uh, we were unaware of and this potential IOCG uh, target. So depending on the results of those, you know, Mustang Lake should be out within a month and the larger survey towards the end of the year but uh, depending on what the you know if those surveys show nothing, I guess that's that we, we we crack on. If they show something very interesting, I guess it's back to the investors. It's like, do you want us to? What would you like us to do with these things? Do you want us to? You know, these are big company type projects, so um, sure we can you know two three holes in it, fine. But there has to be some end game because you know we're not we're not going to be developing a you know an ISU tar, you know target on our own forever, so. Um, you know, let's see what we get, and we'll uh, we'll figure out what uh, what to do or what not to do about it. Okay, Brian, uh, John, appreciate the update. Um, let us know when that when the money comes in, um, and we'll see you real soon. Okay, Jerry, thanks, Matt.